ideas in his book apply to anyone and everyone, um, no matter where they live or what they do. Um, and I think from what is to what if invites us to imagine and put into action that better future for ourselves, uh, those around us, our planet and the future. Uh, we're incredibly proud to be publishing Rob and we hope this is first of many projects that we work on together. And uh, so before I reintroduce <laughs> the author himself, I have that bit written out, it doesn't quite play. Um, I'd like you all to either raise a glass or give him a cheer uh, to Rob and his new book. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So the, the, the opening quote of the book from Susan Griffin is, one might say that human societies have two boundaries. One boundary is drawn by the requirements of the natural world and the other by the collective imagination. And I found myself about two years ago reading lots of people who I really admire, people like Naomi Klein and Bill McKibben and George Monbiot, who kept saying, climate change is a failure of the imagination. And I was really intrigued. I was like, well, and then they would move on and start talking about something else. And I'd be sat there going, uh, hang on, that was really interesting. What do you mean by that? And then uh, the late David Fleming, who some of you here uh, knew and, and, and remember, in his book Lean Logic said, um, if we are to create a, a sequel to the market economy, it will be above all the work of the imagination. And uh, those things set me off thinking, well, this is, this is kind of interesting. And then I read some research that was done in 2010 in the US by a researcher who took this thing called the Torrance Test for Creative Thinking, the big sort of creativity test that they've done in the US going back 60 or 70 years. And she looked at all this data. Her conclusion was imagination and IQ rose together till the mid-90s. And then IQ kept rising and imagination went into what she called a steady and persistent decline. And when this research was published, it was on the front page of Newsweek. It was a really big story. And people said, oh, what does this mean for economic growth? I mean, like, who cares, really? What does, this mean? what does this mean for Hollywood? Again, really, who's that bothered? But I never heard anyone in the social justice and climate change world say, well, what does this mean for us? Because fundamentally what we're about is trying to help people imagine something different. If we can't imagine it first, how can we then go on to create it? And actually, are we living in a time of imaginative poverty at the very time when we need to be at our most imaginative? And it was kind of a question that, that got under my skin and, uh, and uh, then the opportunity came up to have some time to, 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 to look at it. And that's really, I spent about two years really, really trying to get to grips with the question. I interviewed about 100 people, really interesting. You'll find all those interviews on robhopkins.net. That was the blog that, 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 that accompanied the creation of the book. And the book is really framed around eight what-if questions. For me, it's kind of a love poem to those two words, what-if a long love poem. I think they're the two most important words in our language today. And uh, so I'm going to present you with eight what-if questions, which I have on kind of Bob Dylan-style card, uh, as a, and a sort of analogue version of PowerPoints. Uh, so my first question, and the question that the woman who did that research came up with was, what's happened to play? She said, we've seen a decline in play. She said that by the mid-1990s, she was already saying, we're seeing a kind of decline in, in the number of kids playing, and that's really important. That kind of free, unstructured, streets full of kids playing, where they have games and songs and places and activities that adults know nothing about, and they're just off and out. And that has really almost disappeared out of our culture today. And, when, and that's how kids learn to cooperate, to manage conflict, is how they learn to take risks. And when we produce a generation of children who don't take risks, we produce a generation of adults who don't take risks. 
And that's the worst kind of adults that we need to be producing in the world today. So I was really fascinated by this question of what's going on with play? And I went to Bristol to visit an amazing project called Playing Out, which is starting to sh uh, helping people to shut the streets so kids can just go out and play. I went to the street in St. George in Bristol. The streets were a block, an adult at each pair of each end with a, with a luminous jacket on, streets full of chalk drawings and kids on scooters and playing. And I talked to, to some of the adults. One woman said, well, this is just what happens when you get rid of the cars. You get rid of the cars and this happens. I spoke to one dad who said, well, after we'd done this for a year, we realised that we actually quite liked each other. Uh, and they all sort of started hanging out on the street and having a really good time. In Bristol, in, in Totnes that year, we did a thing that was called the Totnes Street Games Festival, where they shut the square uh, and, and kids came out and played and they were taught the games that people used to play. It was fantastic. And uh, one of my favourite games that they did was a game called Spekerpoopen, which is a Dutch game, which means nail poops where you get a piece of string and you tie a nail onto it so it comes down to about there. And then you put a bottle on the ground and just looking backwards through your legs, you have to try to get the, you have to try and get the screw into the neck of the bottle. Amazing. If any of you have kids and 